We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back, Notre Dame fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. Y'all can see our names right there. And we're back to talk about uh, Notre Dame football. And so we kind of put the finishing touches last night on the Stanford game. And so what we're going to do now, as I told you, we're not going to be talking about UNLV all week. We will have a show about the UNLV matchup. We are going to respect UNLV that way. This is a team with a winning record. Uh, I think that you know, their, their football coach is doing some nice things because when he took over and came there, I believe he came from Oregon, correct? Arroyo, he, yeah. Yes, yes, Coach Marcus Arroyo. When he came there from Oregon, I mean, he walked into a pretty rough situation, and they were bad. And he's and, you know, they're, they're a competitive – even though some of the losses, they're a competitive football team. He's doing a really nice job there. So us not talking about, about UNLV is not meant as a disrespect to UNLV. If you can lose to Marshall and Stanford, you can lose to UNLV. The point is, our focus this week is going to be about what we have always said about Notre Dame, is it's not really about the opponent. It's about Notre Dame. And this is especially true in 2022. So over the next couple of days, we're going to talk about just some things that we believe are are not so much wrong with Notre Dame, but but we it'll be kind of part of it. But it's more so wrong within the framework of what needs to be done. And what I hate, Ryan is when people just rant and complain and say, this sucks, that's wrong, I hate this, that sucks, this is terrible, and they say, well, what should be done about it? Well, oh, no, that's what the coaches get paid to do. Well, our channel's different, you know, and 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 that's why it's called Irish Breakdown, is because we are not afraid to offer our opinions. And also, we feel it's good policy, right? If you're going to if you're gonna step out and say, you're doing it wrong, then you better have some sort of answer for, okay, then, Ryan, what is right. And so that's what we're going to do the next couple of days. And of course, we're going to start with the Notre Dame offense because there are things to fix about the defense. Trust me. But the reality is, is your defense has at least played well enough to let you to give you a chance to win all six games that you've played so far. The same cannot be said for the Notre Dame offense. And that is why the offense is going to be the topic of our conversation today, because there are need changes that need to be made. And look, a lot of people say, oh, you need to fire this coach and fire that person and, and, and do this and do that. And the reality is that's not realistic. 
that's not something we're going to really discuss today because we're not we don't advocate for people to be fired at hours breakdown unless there's some sort of moral thing. You know, we could get into some of that stuff later. That's not really the focus of what we're talking about. What we're talking about are things that can be done now, not in the off season. Make this change. Go to the portal. Go to this. Go to that. Ryan, there are things that Notre Dame could do now, and and honestly. It begins with personnel. And I'll make this statement and then let you run with it if you want to. Sure. I have not seen an offensive coordinator more misuse and abuse the personnel he has than blame that personnel, which is what I think is happening from things I've heard sources that have talked to it. When you see comments being made by alums who happen to have played with Tommy Reese that are making comments about the lack of talent, it's... It, I've I've never seen a, a, a just a, a st- just at every position except the line misuse the talent more than what I've seen. And so, whenever you're talking about about changes, it has to start with how the personnel is being used. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I mean, you have to look yourself in the mirror when it it starts with, right? I mean, that's what coaches are paid to do. What am I doing wrong to not put my team in in the best possible position to be successful? And I think, Brian, the biggest indicator to what you're saying, I 100% agree with it. You know I do. We've talked about this a ton, is that Tobias Merriweather played, what, four snaps, got targeted twice, and had a 41-yard touchdown during the game, right? I mean, those are – you can't tell me that you're putting your best product on the field if that's the results you get out of such a small 
amount, a small volume of opportunities for a single player. So I think from a playing certain players enough perspective, we're not seeing it. I think from a schematic approach to how best utilize players, we're also not seeing it. There's a lot of things that we can kind of work through in this podcast. I know we're going to, but there needs to be a different approach to not only who's on the field, but how you utilize players. Like there's some players like, Brian, I'm looking at some players. I'm just like, that guy is just, that's not the role he needs to play. That's not best for them. That's not, that happens a lot, Ryan. It's happening a lot. It's happening a lot. It's so easy to look at the personnel on the field and say, well, pretty much know what's coming right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, Ryan, I mean, you can say, okay, like, here's my thing. I've always felt this way, Ryan. Don't talk to me about what the school's not doing for Notre Dame or admissions is not doing for Notre Dame or whatever the case may be until you are doing everything possible on your end to make sure that you're getting the most out of the resources you have. Once you right. do that, then come talk to me about, hey, we're doing it. We're doing everything we can. We need more. Same thing here. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to me about the talent and all this when you've been on staff for six years and you've been the offensive coordinator for three years because the quarterback room is 1,000% on you. The offensive recruiting has been 1,000% on you as the leader of this offensive football team. So don't talk to me about talent when you're the one that's been responsible for that. And then number two, don't talk to me about talent when you're not using the talent you have. Now, you say, hey, look, use Braden Lindsay the way and Chris Tyree the way, the two whipping boys for fans, right? Mm-hmm. If if you're using them correctly and they're not making plays, fine. We'll say it. They're not be, they're not good. They they can't play. But when you're not using them correctly and you're not using some guys at all, again, Tobias Merriweather played what four snaps against yep. you know, in the first four games. I think he played a couple more snaps against BYU, came in. There was like a couple run plays he was in. He wasn't used a lot, but at least he got a little bit more, you know, opportunity, I guess. Played three snaps against BYU. So comes into this game having played seven snaps in five games. Goes out and runs the most beautiful post route you've seen all season. Looked like Avery Davis last year, or two years ago against Clemson, right? Remember when Avery Davis was a senior at the time. And then comes out earlier in the game, beats a guy, just runs by a guy, should have been open for another touchdown. You're telling me that that like just went on during the week of practice last week? Or was he always capable of this and you wasted him for reasons still to to, to not be known? You know? Yeah. And, and, and you're, you know, like look at like when Chris Tyree and Diggs and Estime were being used together as a trio in the run pass game against Cal in North Carolina and it looks brilliant, and then the last two games, it's the most boring usage of running backs ever, and you're using Chris Tyree in a certain way. So let's kind of dive into that, Ryan, and we'll get into the personnel. Let's do the specifics now so we're not just ranting for 20 minutes. I want to get into the specific things that are we are saying is wrong. Number one, the biggest personnel issue I see right now is a failure to recognize and appreciate who your quarterback is and then build around him. What we are seeing Tommy Reese doing right now is – this is what I want to run, and this is what I'm going to call. And if it doesn't work, then it's Drew Pine's fault or Chris Tyree's fault or Matt Salerno's fault or Braden Lindsay's fault or whoever else's fault, not mine. And the reality is, is the game plan called on Saturday was not a game plan that should have been, been run for Drew Pine in his fourth start of his career. And yeah. a year from now, fine, run that offense with Drew Pine. 
but it's not one that should have been used for Drew Pine in, 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 in with where he is right now. And so, number one, the first thing you have to do is this is our quarterback. Mm-hmm. This and and here's the thing: say, well, it doesn't have to be. What if you want to put in Steve Angelic? Same principle. Same principle. You have a young quarterback that doesn't have a rocket arm and isn't a guy that's going to got beat teams with his legs. The margin for error for him is a little smaller than it is for a lot of teams' top quarterbacks. Okay, so then what yep. you need to do is you need to then kind of counter that by increasing the margin for error by using your personnel correctly. And there are two players at wide receiver that need to start playing more. And I would argue this. I'll even go on a limb and say, if if one of these two players isn't on the field on almost every play, then you're doing this coaching thing wrong with, with few exceptions based on some looks and some schemes you want to do. And that is Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey. They're two yep. very different players, but the one thing they both have in common, they're big. And when you have a, a, a quarterback who is young, inexperienced, lacks confidence, when does when does Drew Pine look confident? I've seen him look confident thrown to two guys, Michael Mayer and Tobias Merriweather. Why? Bigger guys, right? Mm-hmm. And you listen, and, and you gotta listen to Coach Freeman after the game talking about, well, you know, he's doing this, he's doing that, and all this other kind of stuff, and he's got to get better here. And then you listen to Drew Pine talk about Tobias Merriweather, and he's like, dude, he does that all the time. And that's what we've heard. I mean, Drew Pine confirmed what we've been saying all year, what we've heard from our sources all year. Dude does this all the time at practice. I yeah. loved it Loved it when he said that. It was, like, so beautiful. And, and so, clearly, he's confident there. But put Deion Colsey in the game. Why? Because Deion doesn't have to get open. He's 6'5". Do what he's Stanford does. He's always open. <laughs> he's always open. And when you have a, a six-foot quarterback that's struggling with confidence right now, throwing the ball outside the hashes, you mm-hmm. need that. And so to me, I'm not saying you got to put both of those guys on the field because you still need to play Jaden Thomas. You still need to play Brayden Lindsey. You still need to play Lorenzo Styles. There is still a role for Matt Salerno, albeit a limited one. There's still a role for Joe Wilkins. So it's not like just put those two kids out there for every single play. But one of them needs to be on the field at all times, and there need to be some snaps where they're both on the field together because you have to be able to take advantage of that size ryan with the way this team is built you want to be a running football team you've got a quarterback that's not a runner you've got a quarterback that's inexperienced doesn't have a bazooka is is his ball placement was good against byu but isn't always on point you Mm -hmm. need to you need to protect your run game and protect your quarterback by making sure you have more size on the field and those are the only two guys that bring that to you well, and, and I don't want to, you know, we're not we're not uh, pushing back on this is no no detriment to Drew Pine, right? Like I'm not saying anything right. that is a negative thing about mm-hmm. him. It's just simply the fact of, like you said, doesn't have the strongest arm and his ball place is hit and miss at times, right? Like he's a young quarterback that's still developing. So when you have exactly. built that t- when you have that type of player that has those inconsistencies and doesn't have maybe that high margin for error, or how do you increase some more? Yes, right. or experience. How do you increase a margin for error? You put length around him, right? Those guys all have incredible catch radiuses. I mean, we didn't even talk about Eli Raritan because I know we're going to talk about the tight end we're position a little him, more right. in-depthly. Right. Yeah, we're going to talk about that more in-depthly. But if we start getting some of these size around a Drew Pine, it's going to make him more confident because he's not going to have to worry about being perfect all the time, right? Like that's the thing is you don't have to be perfect, Drew. You need to put it – you just need to put it in the vicinity, of a guy like a Tobias Merriweather, and he can make a play on it. You can, they just have to put it around Michael Mayer. He can make a play on it. Same thing for Deion Colsey. Same thing for an Eli Raritan when we get there. Like those guys, 
create opportunity for your for your player because the biggest misnomer is that the only way to create separation is either with speed or route running. That's not true. You can also create sp- you can also create separation with length in the air, elevation. Like that is also a way of create a point of separation for a wide receiver. So those are the biggest things for me, Brian. Like I, we keep harping on the the Tobias Merriweather, but like after you saw the game, does anybody blame us for doing that? Right? I mean, right. literally. Thank you. The, Thank the you. The only. The you only see it catch- now, right? You see it now. The, the only catchable ball that was thrown to Tobias Merriweather was a 41-yard touchdown. And the other one should have been a what? A 30-yard right. touchdown on the first one? Right. Like, it sh- should have had two catches for 70-plus yards and two touchdowns in this game. Right. On two targets. That's what should have happened. It's and just- he ran by dudes both times. And what is this yes. team lacking? The ability to run, you know, supposedly, the ability to run by people, which, again, is a misnomer if anyone that's been in the game knows that that's just flat out not true. Right, but it's clear that the game plan is not designed to take those shots, right? And they did in this game. My question is: is okay? First of all, why'd you wait till the fourth quarter to do that? But you know, whatever. That's a different conversation. Second half, I should say, because they did take the one shot in the third quarter. Yeah, but this is something that's going to help your quarterback. What is something else that can help your quarterback? And that is getting more playmakers in the field and using those playmakers correctly. One and and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more in the run game, but the way that Chris Tyree has been used in the last two games is I, I'm going to say it. This is this is going to sound unprofessional, but I've really ride, try and ride, try to think of a better way to say it. It's the dumbest thing I've seen. It is the dumbest thing I have seen in a long time. The fact that I I can't tell you the last time I think it's probably North Carolina the last time that Chris Tyree was giving anything but an A or a B gap run. I mean, you're 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 having him just run duo nonstop. That's not his game. Now he ran well on Saturday. He, I mean, you go back and watch the film. He he didn't have a lot of holes. He was he was kind of leaking out. He had that one 15 yard run called back because of a holding penalty. You're asking him to do things you should be asking Audrick Estime to do, and 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 you're not giving him the opportunity to to make plays in space. You know, you have these great game plans. The first two game or you know the first two wins with the running backs in the pass game, and it's completely gone. So yep. you're not getting him on the field enough. You're, you're not utilizing the playmakers you have, which is a tight end, which is Eli Raritan, Holden Stace, and Mitchell Evans. And, and the issue mm-hmm. the issue that we had with Mitchell Evans last week was, wait a minute, you're telling Deion Colsey and Kane Barong that they're not playing because they're, they missed fall camp, and then Mitchell Evans comes back, who hasn't practiced since – I mean, he's been out forever. I think he missed all spring and all yeah. fall camp, and now he's finally back, and you immediately put him in there. I'm not knocking Mitchell, but, like, what is the message you send to the rest of the team, number one? And then, number two, if you're going to put him in there, you've got to utilize him. And so, now, there was one pass play that was called where Mitchell should have caught a corner route, if you remember that play out of the 12 personnel with the two tight ends together. But you got to use them more. You've got to use Eli Raritan more. And it's like, yes, I get it, he can block, but he's also – your twitchiest kid you have a tight end. Why are you not lining him up outside? Why are you not putting him in the slot? You know, mm-hmm. they're they're using Holden Stace a little bit. And then when he disappears against Stanford, gets one target and he plays, I mean, just a couple plays, and then it's like, okay, you know, where 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 where'd Holden Stace go all of a sudden? You know, because so you could have because you could have built off of what he did against BYU right. and gained more confidence. And you just said, like, no, nope, we're done. Played yeah. two snaps against Stanford. Mitchell Evans comes back after not having played all year, plays 19 snaps. And and it's just kind of one of those things where it's just like, I don't quite understand what you're doing at this point in time. You're and you're not in your there was a snap where there was like 
you had Matt Salerno and I think Davis Sherwood or one of the other tight ends. And you're like, well, there's only three guys that the defense has to worry about right now. Just from a usage standpoint, not even from is that guy good standpoint, but a usage standpoint. People say, well, you can't win a receiver if you're playing Matt Salerno. Then stop playing Matt Salerno. I mean, you have other options. And so if you're going to insist on running a bunch of 12 personnel, then you have to use it better. And, mm-hmm. and that's the thing we're not seeing enough. And, and, and so that's an aspect of, of what we're doing. And then when it comes to personnel, you've got to figure something out with Lorenzo Styles. I, I, I'm going to try to be delicate about this because I'm very high on Lorenzo Styles, and I know you're extremely high on Lorenzo as a player. Yep. There's a usage problem with him, but it's not the only problem. Lorenzo is not playing inspired football right now. Now, it may be the usage problem hasn't bummed out. He's still a young kid. He may be frustrated. He may be homesick. I don't know what it is, but one of the complaints I've had all season with Lorenzo is the kid's just not playing hard, not consistently playing hard. And it was better against them, but I think you need to come and have a sit-down conversation with him and say, hey, man, what's going on? Figure it out. Fix it and then start using him better mm-hmm. because he's being incredibly misused this season. We've talked about Brain Lindsay. You've got to use him better. We'll get into some of the specifics of those two kids when we get into the pass game, but the reality is there are playmakers on this football team that you were not using. There were times on Saturday at least 10 to 12 snaps where you chose to put an overall slow group of players in the field. Now, they're good players. Logan Diggs is a good football player. Mitchell Evans mm-hmm. is a good football player, but Jaden Thomas is a good football player. But they're not fast. They're not good because they're fast. And all of them have a good role. But when they're all on the field together, you all of a sudden just became a slow as Stanford. That that's that's, that's when you be that's when you become the misnomer that everyone says with Notre Dame that there is no speed on Notre Dame's roster when you choose to be that way, right? Like you that's self-inflicted. Like that is what it is. I mean, if we're being honest, right. like that is a coaching self-infliction right there. You are put you are putting a cap on how explosive and how effective you can be as a football team if you do not put your best assets on the or the most talented players that you have mixture onto the field. You are limiting the impact that you can have. That's what's right. happening, man. And like I right. Brian, I keep coming back to this, man. And like it's just look, I there are things that you could do right now because I, I agree about Lorenzo, right? I don't know what's going on in his mind. But there's something there, right? right? And as a coach, you need to figure that out. What's going on there, right? Figure that out. And then after that, it's your responsibility to get him back on track, right? Because he's still a right. young pup, man. Like he some guys don't have all those answers by themselves. You are you are there to guide men, right? Guide young men. Right. And as a coach, and build you need to sit young men. and build. Ex- right. Yes, and build. Exactly. And in this situation, whether that is doing more RPO and getting Lorenzo Styles some easy routes, some arrow routes, some screens, whatever it is. Get him involved early on. I don't know what it is, but the point is is that something needs to give here, man, because right. right now Lorenzo Styles should be your best receiver on this roster right now. And long-term, I think we both agree, Tobias Merriweather has the most talent of anybody that's on the roster right now. But this year – Lorenzo Styles should be your dude. And right now he's not playing like your dude. He's not. Yep. And you're not utilizing him right. He's in his own head. There's a lot of things wrong in that situation. But regardless, there is a coaching failure that's happening right now. Is it all coaching? 
No, it's not all coaching, but the coaching is a major issue. We have to be honest about that. Have to be honest about it. So, Ryan, personnel is one thing. You've got it. Use it. Use it correctly. And if you're not using your personnel correctly, then don't talk to me about how you don't have the talent. Now, you have the talent. Oh, well, it's young. I I don't care. Clemson won a national title with a true freshman quarterback, a true sophomore running back. Leading receiver was a true sophomore. Second leading receiver was a true freshman. Right. And then your who was your next guy? Hunter Renfro. Right. That was your only veteran on that offensive staff. No, okay. Hey, well, those guys were five. Okay, whatever. We're talking about Stanford and Marshall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're not talking about beating Alabama. We're talking about beating Marshall and Stanford and UNLV and Syracuse. Right. And you have the talent to do it. Well, these guys aren't that good. Okay, well then 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 who was responsible for recruiting these guys? Deion Colsey was a top hundred receiver. Tobias Merriweather's a top hundred receiver. Lorenzo Styles is a top hundred receiver. Braden Lindsay was a four-star. Jaden Thomas was a four-star. Maya Kamara was a top hundred player. Five-star. Eli Raritan was a top hundred player. Holden Stace was a top two hundred player. Chris Tyree was a top hundred player. Audric Estime was a top two hundred player. Drew Pine was a top two hundred player. So either That's- you have terrible evaluation skills across the board. Yeah. And everybody else missed on these kids, including us, who graded out all those kids high. And I had Logan Diggs graded out higher than everybody else as well, right? Either you missed on all those guys or you're not using them correctly. All of them. So the, the it basically, it's actually worse for Tommy mm-hmm. Reese to say they don't have talent because of how long he's been here to say, well, who recruited all these kids? Right. You guys made Dion and Lorenzo parties. They were not guys you picked up after missing on other targets. Chris mm-hmm. Tyree was not a guy you picked up after missing out on other top targets. Neither was right. Eli Raritan. Neither was Holden Stace. Neither was Drew Pine. Like, I could understand people complaining about Drew Pine, and it's not Tommy Reese's fault, if they tried to get other quarterbacks and they settled on Drew, you know, after. they com- He committed to them as a sophomore. A sophomore. You wanted Drew Pine. So then don't come bitching to me, uh, theoretically, publicly or privately to your friends or whatever, that you don't have the kind of quarterbacks you need because you chose this quarterback room. You chose it. You chose it. Yeah. You recruited it. So who's responsible for that? This isn't like Marcus Freeman walking in as the first-year defensive coordinator last year saying, hey, these are the guys I got. I got to coach up what I have. Right? Th- this is not that. You've been yeah. part of the staff for six years. Six Years three is offensive court. You you guys pushed out Chip Long to insert this in there, right? So you know I, I'm tired of I'm tired. I mean Chip Long walks into a situation in 17, and he inherits a team that went four and eight the year before, mm-hmm. lost their quarterback, has a quarterback that can barely complete a pass down the down the field, and look what they built that year, right? With none of the dudes he recruited. Right, beat Georgia with a receiving core that had an uninspired Equinemius St. Brown, Freddie Canteen, Cam Smith, and Chris Fink was your receiving core against Georgia, and you almost beat Georgia, who went on to be the you know national runners up. But you can't you can't have a lead but for two minutes against Stanford. You can't beat Marshall with because you don't have talent at wide receiver. Spare me, spare me. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the excuses, and I thought that was gone when Kelly left, but. Where are the excuses being made right now? Who's the holdover? Who groomed him? Who taught him? That's where we are. 
So stop talking to me about not having the talent. I'm sick of saying that not having – you want to say they don't have the talent be Clemson? Oh, we can have that conversation. We may agree to disagree. We're talking about Stanford. Ryan, in the last calendar year, Stanford has gone 2-11. and 11. Their wins are over Colgate and Notre Dame. Shut up if talent is your comment right now because that's what we're talking about right now. I don't want to hear it. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear it. Okay. So, you know, it's it's not talent, right? It's about how you use how you use the talent. Let's talk specifically run game and pass game, right? Those are sort of overarching. Actually, you know what? We forgot to do something here real quick before we get into run game and pass game. Oh, I know. We talked personnel. Now we're gonna get in specific operation of how the game is gonna go. First change that needs to be happened. This needs to be Marcus Freeman going into the office and saying, This stuff, you're done with it. The scan offense, gone. Gone. Here's why it needs to go, Ryan. Let's get to some specifics of it, right? I'll let you kind of start off with it. Then I'll give mine if there's something that you leave out. But let's explain why this is a bad idea with any team to do every single play, but why it's Mm -hmm. an especially bad idea against Notre Dame. And there was a play on Saturday that was indicative of why this is so broken. Did you see the snap on the final drive where they they it took so long? This, I mean, they, they're like they're holding their Drew Pine just standing there. Yeah. And they didn't snap the ball. So then all of a sudden, Braden Lindsay and Lorenzo Styles both look at the sideline as the ball's being snapped with two less than two minutes to go in the game. You got two receivers staring at the sideline because they're thinking the ball's not being snapped. We must be getting a new play. Are we, and they look over, the ball snap, and Drew Pine is rolling out, and they're standing there looking at the sidelines. That's I, coaching. Brian, coaching. Yeah. Brian, I, I thought that that was a false start on, at first on that play. I was like, is there a false start there? Like, why are two wide receivers not moving? <laughs> like, it was it was, it was uh, so frustrating. I mean, so – but, like, to the specifics of it, right, the scan, why, why does the team want to use the scan? They want to get into the perfect play, right? You want to get see the look – Change the play if you need to. If not, get out of bad plays. Right. Right. Get out of bad. It looks that like you're not anticipating, right? Like you want to be advantageous in that regard. Why it's bad right now is that you are lacking the rhythm offensively, right? There's guys that are just not because what happens is guys are ready to go up, oh, scan. We're gonna take another 20 seconds of the game clock. We're looking over, we're changing things. You're making guys think too much, man. Nobody's loose right now, everything's tight. When you have to change your thought process in an instant, get into a new play, what's my responsibility? You have young players right now that are failing you, or I should say inexperienced players, right? Because last last game, you are you did not help Drew Pine at all. You did not. You didn't. You didn't help him. He was a player that was not playing confidently. He wasn't because I think he was thinking too much, and he was honing in on one player because he wasn't confident in what was happening around him. You have Lorenzo Styles, who is in his own head. You have running back room that is being misused. So now you're they're starting the question like, hey man, like what's my role in this offense? I'm not really sure what my situation here, here is, right? So you are muddling just the coherency of this offense. Like, what is the game plan, man? What is the game plan? Let the guys be loose and go. Or the, they're thinking way, way too much. Because Brian, back to the initial point, right? If we can sit here and have an intelligent conversation and come to the come to the conclusion that hey, Chris Tyree is really talented, right? He's arguably the fastest running back in the entire country, right? Like we can have that conversation. I think we can come halfway there. I think most people can look at Lorenzo Styles and say 
yep, that dude's very talented from a physical perspective. Like he's quick, he's explosive, he's got all those things. Michael Mayer is going to go in the first round in April. We can agree with those types of things, right? So what is the reason that the majority of your football players offensively are not playing well? It's not a talent issue. Like throw that talent issue out of the way. There is a misuse and there is a clouding of roles and clouding of confidence in this offense right now. So to this back to the scan is that you are destroying rhythm. You're destroying a consistent thought process. You're muddling a player's minds. They just are players don't understand what the responsibilities are. And when they do, it's coming late in the play and now I have to make a quick decision. And it's, it's just, there's no decisiveness in this offense right now. I think decisiveness is a good word, Ryan, because this team plays with no urgency at wide receiver. There's a, they don't play with urgency at receiver. They don't play with urgency at quarterback. We even going back to when when Tyler Buckner was here, not watching Drew Pine on Saturday. There's no urgency, and that comes from how you practice. And when you constantly do that slow delay stuff, right? And every team coaches that. It's called your four minute offense, right? Yep. And and what you're doing is is you're you're and and the the thought is and here it, it's a it's it's I understand why they're doing it. I just think it's a poor thought process. It's well, you know, let's it goes back to the you don't think you have talent. Yeah. Which is silly. So then you start convincing yourself, well, we got a really small margin for error, which I've I've heard said through different sources uh, as what is believed by the, the guy running the offense. Very, very small margin for error. So then you think I've got to then go be the guy that saves everything with my wonderful play calling. Right. And so it's always about let's get in the right call. And it's yeah. a complete opposite should be true. And we discussed this last night. This complete opposite should be true. If you have if, if if what you believe is true, then what you're doing is the last thing you're doing, because so much of what Notre Dame does on offense is built around. You need guys to win. You need guys to win one on one go routes off the ball. You need guys to win ISO routes in the slot. You're not mm-hmm. scheming these kids up. And when you go when you go with this slow down approach, you lose it, you lose all your tempo, you lose all sense of urgency. You force them to make quick reads and decisions every single time you make a check, right? Yep. And then the other thing you do is you kind of you kind of put yourself in situations where you can't really do any real shifting and motioning, right? Because that that's effective. Because what they're doing is they will motion and shift. But then they will then look over at the sideline, and by that time the defense is lined up and have been able to adjust to what they did. You, so the only real motion they could do, Ryan, is a quick motion across, and that is it. Yeah. Whereas you yeah. know, like Stanford will do things back, used to do things back in the day, you know, because that's probably the closest to what Notre Dame is trying to be, where they would come in out of twelve personnel, they'd line up in a twins one side and a tight end a wing, and then they would do they would shift over and then motion a guy across, and as they're doing all that, bam, the ball's coming out, snaps. You don't have time to adjust. You're you're looking, you're making checks, you're bumping the off def- the offensive lineman over because or defensive lineman over because they've shifted strength and all this, and they're snapping the ball, and you're mid-shift, right? But when you do all that, then stop and look at the sideline, you've done nothing. You've done nothing to the defense to impact the defense. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and so, And then also, it's very easy to kind of get a sense of what they're going to do. And so what's what's frustrating is they weren't doing this as much last year, but it's similar in the philosophy of what was so bad about what we saw from the offense last year. 
because I remember you look at the last six games last year, and it was it was it was worse. It's worse this year than it was last year, partly because the competition's better this year than it was last year. But when you look at last year, you know you had the breakout. You had the one good game against Florida State, and then it was a bunch of eh, really until you know USC you started to kind of come alive, and really it was North Carolina, and then you went. You, and what was it? It was, and last year you couldn't even run the ball. It was slow tempo. Can't protect the quarterback. You're trying a bunch of downfield routes, but your receivers aren't getting separation. You're running a bunch of static ISO routes with either stop routes or one-on-ones, and your guys can't win enough one-on-ones, and your receivers aren't making plays, and all this. Same mantra. It's that they're just not good. And it was about two weeks ago we started hearing a year ago, two weeks ago, boy, if Brian Kelly can win X amount of games, it's going to be the greatest coaching job we've ever heard, we've ever seen, blah, 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 right? And what happened? They changed. They went to more tempo, not like Oregon tempo, but they went to more tempo. Uh, they went to more, uh, you know, quick getting quick games, spreading the field, getting your backs involved in different aspects of the game, getting your receivers in movement routes, getting guys on crossing routes, doing more jet sweeps to your guys that are actually fast, you know, things like that. And then all of a sudden the offense starts looking good, right? And And then, you know, the thing about it is, is, is Ryan is it's there to be seen. And you just went through this and we're going through the same thing over and over again. And so now it's even worse because you're doing the scan stuff. So yeah. if you have a young group of guys, if you lack talent, then you should be doing things to neutralize your lack of perceived talent. If you genuinely believe that, then yep. the things you should be doing are pushing the tempo, not letting the defense get set up, right? Doing th- I mean, why do we see all these teams with okay talent go out there and score 40 points a game? What do they all do, Ryan? What do they all do? They run tempo. They're yep. either a spread or an air raid team. They run tempo. You don't get lined up, and they run a very small number of plays, and they use tempo and spacing to create plays. Tempo and spacing. Notre Dame does neither of those things. You're running an offense – that would be ideal if you had the 2019 offensive skill, which means you have Jimmy Clausen, Michael Floyd, Golden Tate, Kyle Rudolph, because you can win one-on-one. This, that's not the yeah. offense you should use if you don't have that kind of talent. It's the exact opposite of the kind of offense you should use in that instance. And so those are the things they need to do. If you genuinely believe you have lack of talent, Use your personnel correctly and pick up the tempo. And I'm not a tempo guy, right? Mm -hmm. But with this team with so much inexperience, what you're doing clearly isn't working. And against Carolina, they did go with a little bit of a better pace with some of their motions and things like that, created big opportunities. And now we've seen them slowly slow down Mm -hmm. since then. And like what we saw in the last two weeks looked nothing like what we saw against North Carolina from a tempo, from a motion, from a movement, from all those standpoints. And you're like, why? Well, why? Brian, it's two bad defenses. Why? And that that's why I pushed so back so hard on the lack of talent conversation. That's why. Because it if this was a offense that genuinely thought that they had a lack of talent, it would be operating in a different way, to your point, right? Because like why why is there why is pre-snap movement so important? You're manipulating eyes on the second and third level. Like you're getting guys to get out of position and look in wrong spots. Like that's the whole point. If I was a team that – because there's there's been a big conversation about the wide receivers, right? 
don't work well against press, can't handle, you know, working at the line of scrimmage, release points, all that stuff. Well, then if you if you truly believe that your receivers are the problem and are the issue, why am I not stacking more wide receivers? Why am I not doing short motions to act to maximize release points, to get my guys clear clear space coming off the line of scrimmage? This team doesn't operate like that, Brian. So like either that Notre Dame does not have talent, but even if you even if your your moniker is that Notre Dame doesn't have talent, which I will always push back against. I just always will. If that, that's the case, then coaching is still an issue because you're not playing like a team that has a lack of talent. Like I just it it's like a it's dumbfounding me, man. It's like that you're not acting like a team that doesn't have talent, but then you're also not acting like a team that does have talent. You're like just a neutral team right now. And I it's a lack of identity at this time, man. Like it's a lack of identity. Right. There is nothing about this team that says I know exactly what my players do well, and I'm going to maximize it. Like, you don't play like that. I mean, we talked about Chris Tyree, right? Like, we talked about earlier on the phone. It's like, Chris Tyree, you're using him like he is Audra Gestime, to your point, right? He's You're using him like every Stanford running back ever. The Toby Gerhards and the Stephon Taylors and that Brett said – the, t- the Tyler Gaffneys, who are all good football players, right. but they're not the same player as a Chris Tyree. Why am I not using him out of the slot and motioning him and getting him a jet occasionally? Why am I not running outside zone? Why am I not mixing up the inside and outside run game? I'm not saying you don't let him, you make him an exclusive outside zone or stretch runner, but what I'm saying is that you can mix it up. You can mix and match and make him so much more explosive. I don't understand why you are limiting your best assets, because that's a 4-3 kid in the backfield. You have two 4-4 kids outside. You have a tight end that's going in the first round. Why are you not maximizing any of them? I mean, You're not, and that's the thing. They're not using the speed that they have. So, yeah, well, while our running backs can't create big plays. Well, hey, how about you just maybe a couple times a game get your 4-3 running back to do something out there? And here's the other thing. Let's talk about the run game. Let's talk about the run game now. That's a good transition, good segue into the run game. The run game makes zero sense to me. The run game is basically duo is where is duo more popular right now, Ryan? College or NFL? Where's it more popular in your opinion? Oh, the NFL, easy. By yep. far. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so you what what is the play that worked most for Notre Dame this year in the last couple of years? Their best run play and early in the year when they started to get their run game going against Carolina, inside zone. Have you seen an inside zone be run in the last two weeks? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. No. They've nope. gone back to do, what was what is the what are the two plays Chris Tyree's big plays as a running back have been on what counter inside and outside inside zone, zone. inside yeah. zone his eighty something yard or his ninety and something yard touchdown against Syracuse is on inside zone his touchdown against mm-hmm. Clemson in two thousand twenty was on inside zone his big runs mm-hmm. last year were on inside zone that's what he does that's what he ripped North Carolina with was inside zone you've eliminated that and you're now running duo which is more of an Audric estimate run. But then you're not giving Audric Estime the ball on duo early on. You're giving it to Chris Tyree. And then the other thing is, I can't tell you the last time I saw Chris Tyree run outside on a run that was designed to go outside. I'm not seeing him run mm-hmm. an outside zone. And the way they're running counter is really just abysmal. And the blocking is fine, but the way that they're bringing the other second blockers on counter and then the, te- the, the footwork and the timing, the backfield is a mess. We've been talking about that all year. It's gotten a little better, but not a whole lot. And you're not allowing your backs to kind of get downhill. They're almost running into the back of the blockers the moment they get the ball. That's bad timing on a a counterplay. 
we're not seeing Chris Tyreme ran a couple jets early. I don't want him running jet sweeps, really. I mean, he can do it, I guess, over some other guys, but I want to see him running outside zone. I want to see you toss it with him where you let your big physical offensive line really get some width and create a vertical insertion for him to get to hammer with, right? Yeah. And then your inside stuff becomes more effective because teams just can't crowd the box like they're doing the last three games, knowing that you're not going to get outside. And then you don't even do it with your run, your pass game. So run game has been a mess. There's no diversity in the run game whatsoever, and that needs to change, right? So right now they're basically duo, counter, and I've seen a couple mid zones. That's really it. They'll let Audric, they'll let Logan Diggs run some stretch, stretch an mm-hmm. outside zone or the same blocking scheme, but they're to them for the most part, but they're different runs. They affect yeah. the defense differently. They need to do more outside zone and stretch together. The difference is, is one is more of a pistol run. One is more of a shotgun run. You know, Mm -hmm. the the stretch kind of works downhill at a wide 45. Outside zone is more of a lateral run where you're getting, you know, so blocking doesn't change a lot, but, but the, the outside zone is going to take a little bit longer to develop, which is a good thing because it creates more of a vertical running lane. Okay. So you need to add some of that kind of stuff. And you, you go back to the 2017 offensive line and the, and, and they ran inside zone, they ran counter, they had a lead play, but they also ran G scheme, which is kind of an off tackle play and they ran buck sweep. So you couldn't just kind of work on loading the box because they would run all that other stuff. I mean, I'm talking about the read zone stuff. One of the best runs they had on Saturday was a read zone where Drew Pine pulled it. So yep. he can do that. Right. And, and we know he can do that. But you don't even need that stuff. Like, you don't need to run power O to be effective because you don't have a quarterback that can do that. And I'm not a big fan of throwing Wildcat in there just because in order to get it to work, you have to practice it a lot, which takes away other things. You don't need that. But there are things you can do with the outside zone. You know, I mean, you know Harry can coach Buck Sweep. I mean, Notre Dame destroyed people with Buck Sweep in 2017, right? and, and what it does, because here's what it does. We talked about this last night in the show, Ryan, is it, it gives you so much more versatility if teams are king things. And we talked about a play, and I've seen other teams do it, but you know, Chip Long did this in 2018. If you remember against USC, Notre Dame ran a lot of counter. They ran a lot of buck sweep. So what USC was doing is they were just flying downhill as soon as they started to go, saw the guards pull, and they were, just, they were eating up the Notre Dame run game early. So what Chip Long did is he said they called buck sweep to the right, but he took Dexter Williams and ran him on a sweep to the left, and there was nobody out there. Cole Komet had to make one block. He made it. Might have been Brock Wright. Either one of those two tight ends, Brock Wright or Cole Komet, had one block to make. And if you can make that block, it's a touchdown. He made that block, and it was a touchdown, right? But what are you going to do off duo? What can you possibly do off duo? And the way they're running duo is confusing, very confusing. Yes, very to me. confusing. And, and so, and it's not effective. Uh, for the most part. So you look at it and you say, you're, you're not making it difficult for the defense. They know when you're running the ball, they know it's going to be here or here. That's it. That is it. And so the schematically, there needs to be a much greater inside out mix in the run game. Has mm-hmm. to be. Has to be. And then what that then does is that creates some more RPO opportunities, which is the next thing. So first of all, Personnel-wise, I know Tommy Reese loves Logan Diggs, and that's about the only running back I feel like they're at all scheming for to his skill set. He's like the only one the last two games. All the others just kind of plugging him in for what they like. 
which is dumb. If you're going to use three running backs, use them. They need to three use three running backs. My point is the 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 outside stuff that would work for Chris Tyree, but also work really well for Logan Diggs, right? Mm-hmm. The outside zone, the buck sweeps, the things like that. Those would also be really good with a kid like Logan Diggs who likes to be patient and let things happen and bounce and then bam, he'll hit it, right? So you're not only hurting Chris Tyree, you're hurting Logan Diggs and minimizing how good he can be with some of these runs as well. And so those, those are things schematically plus using your personnel properly is important. The other thing is, is if you want to be a running team, you better use RPOs and their, their lack of use of RPOs and their lack of create. I mean, the only RPOs they really do are just like little quick slides to the tight end. And that's fine. Those are, those are okay. But your, your lack of creativity, no, no bubble screens. I mean, we'll get the screens in a little bit, but if you want to protect your run, your your run game, then RPOs have to be a part of what you're doing. You have to get some glances. You have to get some goes. You have to get some hitches. You have to, for the love of God, give me a now screen or a bubble screen off. I mean, I still can't believe in 2022, there is a division one offense that can't stop a backside crash. And Stanford knew it. When Stanford had a read on that Notre Dame was definitely running to a direction, they would crash the backside backer or the corner from the backside. And Notre Dame could do nothing about it. There was one play where they crashed the corner and the safety just stood there because he knew they weren't going to throw it to him. Just stood there, didn't get over, just took one step and stopped because he knew they weren't going to throw it to the receiver. Because the receiver's like, uh, the receiver pointed to it, but then he's like, okay, I don't know what to do. I got to go block somebody. There was no thought in his head of we're going to pull and throw it. Why? Because that wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to if you're going to run the way they do and you're not doing RPOs, you're failing your team. You're failing your team. You're not putting your players in position to be successful. Every defensive coordinator hates hates RPOs. Every single one. Yes. Yes. And yet Notre Dame won't run them. Mm-hmm. Why? It's stupid. It's dumb. It's easy. And then now you don't need the perfect play. That's what RPOs are built for. It's to protect you from not needing to be in. If they want to load the box and crash the edge, cool, pull and throw it. I don't got to scan and get the right call and, hey, I think they're going to crash the edge. Let's check to a path. It's built in. RPO is a scan, if we're being honest. Exactly. Literally, it's much easier to read one. It's much easier. And you can run your pass concepts off RPO. You can yeah. run a lot. I mean, you can't run like a, a flood concept off RPO, but you can sure. run a lot of the stuff you do with RPOs. It's not mm-hmm. just hitches and quick outs, which is all yep. Notre Dame really does. It. It's it's not just screens. That's part of it. I've seen team throw po- teams throw post routes off RPO. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with RPOs that would would influence the defense far greater than having Braden Lindsay and Lorenzo Styles crash on the safeties. They, they're not you're not affecting the defense at all especially when those safeties are so dang tight that it doesn't matter anyway and so you're running these plays where you're block you've i've seen plays in the last two weeks where the, the five notre dame linemen were blocking six seven dudes and they still couldn't get to everybody i've seen it yeah. there's a play on saturday on the touchdown run from Roderick Esme. joe alt took out two dudes did you see that i did he yeah. destroyed the backside end that kid is playing at such a high level destroys the it's backside so end and then takes out the linebacker that was trying to scrape over. Like you need what, that to have a successful play. Yeah. What well, one positive that we may need to have at some point, Brian, is the fact that Joe Alt might be the best left tackle in college football. He might be right now, which is pretty wild to think about, man. Like we thought it could happen, but like 
he's playing at such a high level. Like he's up there with the Skaronskis, the Paris Johnsons. Like he's in that conversation right now, man, which is pretty wild. But to your point, Brian, we talked about a small margin for error. How do you make your margin for error smaller? By not having options, right? Like you don't have options. That's like, it's a great, that's a great point, Ryan. I mean, because it's like, all right, so the run game, right? Diversity, diversity, right? If I know that a team is just running, let's just, for the sake, we'll we'll stick with duo because that's what we've been talking about a ton. If I know a team is just basically like 80% of their run game is duo, then you know what I'm setting up to stop? Duo. Duo. (laughs) That's just so easy, man. And duo and counter can be stopped in a very similar fashion. They can. They're both yep. double team to the second level blocks. They're they're the same family. There's no there's no there's no variation. If you can stop one, you can stop the other. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And then what happens now, Brian, is that when you become two one notes, also, why would I respect you outside? Right? Like yeah. I'm going to I'm going to press you, and I'm going to put an extra me- member in the box, an extra player in the box. Because I haven't seen any RPO action off of it. Why is RPO so effective? Because you force a team to make a decision. Either I'm going to sacrifice that player out in space to get him in the box. That's why you pull and you throw it. Or he's going to he's going to be disciplined against the RPO, against the pass option of the run pass option. And then you have a lighter box. When you don't have that element and you're also not running a variety of different run looks, you are limiting options. And when I'm a defensive coordinator, when I'm a guy calling a defense gets an offense, if I know you are only good at one or two things, man, I'm going to have a field day because I know exactly what's coming. Now, if you're good at one, two, three, or let's uh, not even that far. Let's say you're only, you're still only good at two things, but you show me three, other, three or four other things, my mind still has to defend that, man. Like I still have to be prepared to stop multiple things. Right now, Notre Dame is not multiple with how they attack offensively. I know exactly what Notre Dame's doing. They are very basic offense. Like I mean, like you said, Brian, they basically just want to run the football and then they want to hit a they just want to hit a slide route off of it at times. Like that's what they want to do right now. Like there's not much creativity in that sense, right? So again, we're coming back to the simple fact of you are pigeonholing players because we have talked a bunch about the running backs, right? Estimate Diggs and Tyree can work so well together because they're all such different football players. Well, why am I asking different football players to do the same exact thing? Why am I doing that? That doesn't fit into their into their strengths. That is only tapping into a one note offense right now. And it tells me there's one guy that you think is the best of all of them that you just, which means that you're putting. Well, you're 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 taking two other square pegs and trying to fit it into your round hole. Like that's what you're doing. There's only one clean fit, and you're limiting two other football players in that instance, right? And that is just again, I don't want to hear about a lack of talent if you're not even using the talent you have appropriately. If you are using it appropriately, if you're mixing up the looks and they're not making plays, then it's a player issue. Then it's a talent issue. That's not what's happening right now. Diversify a little bit. You don't have because Brian, like this is a big, this is another big misnomer, right? Another big misnomer. Running RPOs is not complicated, right? It's not complicated. It's easy. Right. It's basic stuff. Run it off of it. It's not something that you have to be perfect with, man. Make things easy. Things are not easy right. for you right now, and you're making it harder than it has right. to be. Because if you have players that, again, let's work with the assumption that you don't think you have talent then what you need to do is you need to make sure that what you do with them, they know how to master, right? And, and and you know, like, look, 
I'm going to use like an NFL as an example. Is Cooper Cup one of the 10 most physically gifted receivers? In the NFL? Now, one of the knocks on him, I think people underrate his physical talent, right? Mm-hmm. But my point is like you look at last year, and I haven't paid attention this year, but was he one of the 10 most physically talented wide receivers in the NFL last year? I'd say no. I'd argue no. 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 But he was one of the most effective. Why? Because he is a master of his craft, right? Now, on a much smaller scale in college, it's look, if why is why are RPOs so effective? People ask this, like, how can RPOs be so effective when they don't run a lot of plays? And the mm-hmm. answer is, is there's a lot of factors. There's sp- spacing, tempo, RPOs make it hard to defend. But the other part of it is these kids know exactly what to do on these limited number of routes that they run. And so they're really good at those particular routes. Now, the problem when they get the NFL is they can't run the other 25 routes that you need to run in the NFL, right? That's why a lot of RPO kids struggle. But the reason in college they're really good is because you ask them to do a certain number of things and do it really, really well. There are about five or six things you should ask Braden Lindsay to do that he does really, really well. There are about four or five things that Lorenzo Styles can do really, really well that you should be asking him to do. There are about four or five things that, Loren- that Jaden Thomas can do really, really well, and you should be having him do those things. They're not all the same thing. So first of all, stop asking them to do 15 different things. And I don't want them to all be on- the same. I don't want Correct. them all to be the same. I want Correct. diversity. Yeah. And so my point is, and the point Ryan is making is simplify what you're doing. Make sure these kids are masters at what you're doing. That should be your sole focus moving forward. Here's what we're good at. Here's and let's focus on that. But here's things we need to do to protect what we're good at. So we think we're good at running the football and they are the last three games have been very good at running the football Stanford game included because there are not a lot of teams that could have run for 150 yards against that kind of box with that kind of play calling and those kind of issues in the past game. I mean, they were getting seven, eight-yard runs on 10-man boxes. Yep. Dead serious. I can show you the clips. And so you're doing that. They had a 10-yard touchdown run where literally Audric Estime did not get touched by a soul. Yep. That's on the offensive line. If you had a better offensive coordinator and better play calling and planning and preparation then you'd have over 200 yards rushing at Stanford like everybody else does so the offensive line was not the problem the coordination the game plan was the problem so what do you do to protect that mix up your run diversity we're talking better use your personnel mix up your run diversity from a, a not not again we're not saying run 12 different run concepts I'm good with five or six four five six run concepts but make sure there's a good inside out diversity like a draw play doesn't work when all you do is run up the middle and teams don't respect your vertical passing game, draw play doesn't work. Was doesn't that work. was that a draw play on the first run of the game? I think the, the I think the first play was going to be a it was the same look. I think the first play was going to be yeah. something different. The, I think a draw was the second play, gotcha. but it was out of the same exact look and it was the yeah. same exact backfield movement. The blocking was different. It yep. I'd have to go back and look, but I think it was like duo maybe or something like that on the first play. But they ran the same look. And then yeah. the same backfield action, and because it was clearly a draw on the second one for sure. Uh, yes. So, so to me, it's it's doing those things, and then using RPOs to protect them. If teams want to crash, then just throw a quick bubble screen out there, steal yards, throw a now screen out there, do some stack stuff. Because here's the thing about stack: is especially if you go wide, is you now put them into a bind. If you're just always a a slot formation with a slot receiver that's splitting the difference between the tackle and the and wide receiver, the the widest receiver then you make it a little bit easier for them to kind of play games there. 
So they can have mm-hmm. sort of three on two. You go to a bit of a stack look. Now they've got to widen that safety out or widen that slot linebacker out or slot nickel out. And now all of a sudden you've put them in a little bit of a bind. The answer hard to, to that is hard to play press, hard to play press coverage against that too. Yes. To, and know, then also, the... right. And then also Ryan, if you either need to walk your nickel or linebacker out or bring your safety down and bring your safety down or keep your safety back and bring that guy in or bring that guy in and bring your safety down. Now all of a sudden you've got some matchups that you like. Yes. Stanford yes. kind of did that in that 12 personnel that Tobias Mary ran the touchdown pass on. They had kept one safety back. They loaded the box. You put Tobias in a one-on-one in the slot, and I think it was it was Lorenzo was outside in a one-on-one. It was either him or him or uh, Lindsey, I think. And then you had you had one safety. Mayer occupied the safety, and you had a one-on-one with Tobias Merriweather. And there's not a dude on Stanford's roster that can cover Tobias Merriweather. And they went to it. Imagine that, right? But there's things that you can do to force them into that more frequently. And if they don't, if they want to kind of play off, then you. You you now screen them to death. You bubble screen them. You run a slant. You run it. There's lots of things you can do, right? You can you can have the inside guy block out and run an inside tunnel route off of do off of you know. And not a lot of teams run RPO off duo because the NFL is a different offense and then college football. But there's yeah. things you can do with RPO, though, especially the way you're running it, where you can do that. So I mean, honestly, I just I I, I don't know why they have this incessant desire to run duo. Inside zone's been their best run. You know, and and there's more you can do off of inside zone than duo from an alignment, from a movement standpoint, all that kind of stuff. They're trying to like combine inside zone movement with duo blocking, and it's just not working, in my opinion. They're just out talenting people when they do run the ball effectively, which is again what makes it so ironic that there's this mantra about not having talent on this football team. And they also, I mean, Brian, like, what's another thing that they want to do with the inside zone look is that they run a lot of cross zone action too, right? With the tight end. So the tight end's coming across and then that gives you an easy flat route or the slide route, whatever off of it. When you're running duo, they're running duo almost the same way though, man. Like they're taking that tight end and they're just running like that cross action. I just, I just don't get it. I think they, they're an inside zone team that is trying to be something that they're not like, that's what it's. And you know what else is, is in my opinion, and maybe it's not the best for Audrey Gestime, but all three of your running backs can run inside zone pretty effectively in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Like if there is a, Oh, I think estimate could run that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think that. he can. I don't know if yeah. that's his best run, but like he can run it. He could be effective running that. But like for Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs, I think they're both very effective inside zone runners. Very effective. Yes. I think Audric Estime flat out could run all the things that they'd be asking him to do. Yeah, I, I do. I do. And, and you know, keep running duo and just run it when Audric's in there if you want to. I mean, whatever. But I, I don't personally would, would kind of scrap it. And so to me, I look at those different things. If you're here's the bare minimum of what you need to do, you've got at least do more of an inside outside mix. If you don't want to scrap duo for inside zone, fine. I don't agree with it, but I can live with it. But you gotta add some stuff on the perimeter, and it can't just be a, just an outside couple outside zones a game. It's got to be a, a yeah. balance that makes them respect all of it. And then you have to add RPO because if you start running outside zone, you're gonna have a lot of teams that are gonna be. And this is why I love love my, my probably my favorite play to RPO is outside zone mm-hmm. because it the way that it influences. If you're good at running outside zone then you you stretch that sucker. That forces the backside of the defense to collapse to protect against the cut, the vertical cutback. Because, I mean, there was a play, I think it was against North Carolina in 2017. They ran buck sweep to the boundary. And I believe, because that was the game where Alex Bars got hurt. This is 2017. Alex Bars got hurt in the first half. So they actually had Hunter Biven in a right guard. He was a right guard. They ran buck sweep to the left. 
And now he pulls. And so then the center works. Josh Adams cut behind the center and the right guard out to the left for a 70 yard touchdown in that game. Because that's the kind of, yes. And it was a (laughs) vertical, no, it was a buck sweep. It was a vertical insertion, right? Because you're getting the width, right? So the play side guard pulls, the backside guard pulls, then the center is kind of pushing back. And he cut between, I'm sorry, he cut between the center and the right guard on a run to the outside left because of the way that the, the, the stretch happens. So even though it was a vertical cut, his vertical cut on basically a toss, essentially, was behind the right guard and center on a run to the outside to the left. Well, what does that force the defense to do? You've got to really suck down inside because it takes Chris Kyrie or Logan Diggs gashing you once or twice on that. You're going to start to squeeze. So then what I do, I ride that outside zone. I ride it, I ride it, I ride it. And as soon as I see that guy crash, pull and throw the bubble, throw the tunnel, throw the now, throw the slant, whatever. And then you're two on one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. This isn't rocket science, man. This is easy yep. stuff. And know what you've done is you've now put a, an additional stress on the defense, which makes it easier because to, 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 to create run lanes. Because the reason mm-hmm. the backs aren't ripping off a lot of long runs, because there's no room to rip off a lot of big runs. Because there's no threat. Of, you are not threatening them at all outside the tackle tight end box at all. So let's go to the pass game, Ryan. Yep. First thing is, it's about the personnel. We talked about this. I, every team that they've played so far has almost exclusively come up and press them almost exclusively. And you're just not doing stuff to make them stop. And part of that is your receivers still aren't great at getting off the press. They're better than they've been. Your quarterback isn't making the throws. Lorenzo Styles had a guy beat for what, you know, it would have required a good ball, but it should have happened. We're seeing other teams hit it on Notre Dame. Lorenzo Styles has this guy stacked. He's got him beat and he underthrows it. And it was so far underthrown that it was, it should have been pass interference, but I understood why they didn't call pass interference because it was so underthrown that it was like, I don't know if he can catch that ball anyway. And maybe how bad the ball was forced the defender, the contact, because he had to jump so far back inside. Right. So yeah. shouldn't have been a back shoulder number one. Throw it over top. Right. So those things need to happen. You need to start doing more things with the movements, with the stacks to get Braden Lindsay and Lorenzo Styles off that press coverage, force teams to defend it differently. Those are all things that need to happen. But the other thing you need to do is this is where 15 and 16 come to account. 15 being Tobias Merriweather, 16 being Dan Colsey. Because if they can just get any kind of – there was a play on Saturday where Tobias didn't get a great release, and I just said, throw it anyway. Just throw it up. Throw it at about nine feet and let Tobias go get it. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. But it's no different than you you know, having to throw it away because nobody was open. Take your shots because you know what he's going to do. Over half the time, he's going to make that play. As you've said, Ryan, if you're doing 50-50 balls right, they're not 50-50 balls. And when you have guys like Deion Colsey and and Tobias Merriweather and Eli Raritan and Michael Mayer and all that, they're not 50-50 balls. They're really not. So reduce your outside splits on some of these one-receiver looks. There's no reason for a, a single receiver to the field to be out by the numbers. None reduce your splits and give your quarterback time. I mean, you can run basically the same thing as a wide fade from a single receiver side if you give yourself enough room. Because teams mm-hmm. aren't defend, aren't respecting you. So you can use that. To, this is using what how teams are defending you to your advantage. Against most defenses, Ryan, I would not do that. I would not have a re- split my receiver's splits down to throw an outside fade or an outside go route. Normally, against quarters, it doesn't work. Against cover three, it doesn't work. Against... Most good teams, it doesn't work. But the way teams are defending you, they're not respecting you out there. So all you got to do is beat them a couple times, and all of a sudden people are like, you know what? 
they're putting these trees out there and just throwing the ball up to them, and there's, there's nothing they can do about it. So we now have to play a more traditional defense to defend against that, which now opens up the run lane. It opens up the middle of the field even more. And yep. so, you know, Stan- BYU had a bad game plan. We asked them, what, what was BYU doing on defense? We didn't understand it. Well, Stanford didn't have a bad game plan, and they shut it down. And, and Notre Dame did nothing to try to threaten them except a couple near-the-sideline go routes. Well, if you want to run that stuff, then put your trees in and let them run it. Okay, put Dion yep. in the game, let him run it. Put Tobias in the game, let him run it, and become more of a threat. Use Eli Raritan in some of those instances. And why can't why have they thrown a single ball to Michael Mayer in a one-on-one outside? I would no. start doing him more outside in some of those instances. Let him get because then see how the defense reacts. Put him outside, and then you get some sort of isolation inside with Lorenzo or Braden or Tobias or some or Jaden Thomas or whoever else. So those are things that they need to do. And when you're going to have Braden Lindsay and Lorenzo Styles on the field, especially together. You've got to move them pre-snap. You've got you can't just have them slot outside. Move them, get them off the field. Invert your stuff. You know, move them down. Do different things like that. Allow them to get cleaner releases because when they get clean releases, they've been very hard to guard this year, this yep. year. And so, and then and then design plays for them to get the ball there, mm-hmm. right? And then post-snap, it's the same concept, right? Do more post-snap stuff where you're on the run you got to really limit the static routes. Because, again, if you don't have big-time players, then the static routes really don't work that effectively. They just don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a play on Saturday where I'm I'm watching it. It was several times where Michael Mayer releases off the line and the safety just stood there. You want to know why Mayer wasn't getting much separation? Because the safeties were just standing there waiting on him. Because they knew he wasn't going to run past them. Not that he can't, but he wasn't going to. Because he's running, because he's running sticks and he's running option routes. Like that's right. all he's doing, man. Like, the only it's just, time he it, runs vertical, it's a backside release, and they're not worried about him anyway because they're passing him off to somebody else. Exactly. And he, like, literally, he just stood there. And then mm-hmm. you're wondering why there's, you know, and then they're collision in Mayer, and he's coming open late. By that time, it's too late. And then you know the times they were throwing it to him, it's like he's, you know, he's, he was open a couple times, but it's like you got to throw a perfect ball out there. Okay, yeah. so use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Or, or move them outside and then then get your safety in an ISO against somebody else and then let Mayer have a one-on-one or something like that. I mean, run a run a post-go concept with Tobias and Michael Mayer. Safety's got to cover Tobias or not. And then if you if he doesn't, you throw it to him. If they double they double him, you throw it to him. And then if and then have Braden Lindsay or Lorenzo backside running a crosser route. You know, if they want or an over route, if they want to, if they want to get up underneath it, then you got a dude coming underneath. You know, because what's the only way they can defend that, right? Safety goes to take Mayer, linebackers drop and take, get underneath Tobias, right? It's about the only way they can defend it. So what do you do? Here comes Braden Lindsay or Lorenzo on a crossing route. Climb, you know, yeah, yeah. There you go. What? Where is that? Well, they did that once on Saturday. Reverse. Mm -hmm. You You had you had Mayer in the slot or number three, Tobias number two. And they ran that concept. And what happened? 41-yard touchdown. Because you put the touchdown. defense in a bind. And everybody was moving. There was no stops on that. It was a in and a seam or a post and a go. Everybody was moving. Yep. Bam, yep. good play. And so yeah, this, yeah. the stuff is in the offense, Ryan. It's there in the offense. You're just Fair. not using it. You're just not yeah. using it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't I don't get the fascination with the static routes right now. Cause I mean, Brian, it's it's like they're training the offense like they do have Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey on the field all the time. Like it's like you, you, again, I, I talked about it on Saturday. It's like you think you're Stanford, man. It's like you think that you just have six three, six four all over the place and you're just gonna throw you know to bad leverage or to good leverage for yourself, bad leverage for defenders, right? So it's just something really weird because, like, again, I want to get Brayden Lindsay on the run. I want to get Lorenzo Styles on the run. I want to get those guys moving, man. Where's the crossers? Where's the climbs? Where's the where's the inside Stance. vertical, outside and in, in cut? Like, where is the where are these things, man? Right. There's things that could be happening because running a, a a hitch with with Brayden Lindsay, yeah, you're going to get it occasionally because there's going to be guys off of him at times because he's fast, but like. That's not utilizing Brayden Lindsay to the best possible way. Like Brayden Lindsay's averaging what, like eight, nine yards a catch right now. Right. Like it's it's pathetic, man. A four four kids averaging nine yards a catch right now. Like it's just yeah. not advantageous to you. Not advantageous. I think the other thing too is one of the things that they did last year is they went to a a, a much better. They went to quick game more. They get rid of the ball faster, and it worked last year because of how teams played them. Teams are not playing them in a way where that's necessarily the the answer, the way that they're running it. I think what the movement also does is it allows you to get in some looks where you can have some fun, you know? So like if you want to go to a two by two, have Braden Lindsay in the, in the backside, send him in motion to get into a three by one and have him run a slide to the field. And now all of a sudden you've got to chase him and then you run a couple slants behind him or maybe a skinny post or a quick post with a, with a hitch behind it, you know, get into some of your curl flat stuff with those looks because now they're going to see the fast guy going in motion. They're going to play that, and you've got some stuff coming behind it. So you can then use that stuff to create some of your static route concepts. So there's just a lot of simple stuff. And this is not – and then if you're able to hit some of the stuff we talked about, hit those go routes, right, hit to your big guys, do more things where you're attacking teams vertically, all of a sudden defenses are going to be forced to, to, to back off. They're either going to have to back off their corners, they're going to have to back off a safety and play more too high. And the minute you start getting teams to play more traditional too high against you, your run game has more room to work. It, 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 it all goes together. And the less the, the more ground they have to cover when you do hit some of your perimeter screen stuff. Because right now they're making all that stuff easy to defend. So you're going to have to attack down the field. And if you don't think Braden Lindsay and Lorenzo Styles are capable of doing that and Jane Thomas is capable of doing that, then you need to put guys in that can. And this is why we say it's process-oriented and not results-oriented because people looked at the results of the BYU game Jaden Thomas makes that play and all this. And they and they were like, oh, it's good. And what we were saying in the postgame show was, no, it's not really good because you did stuff against a bad defense that they didn't defend well. And you just yep. made – you can't count on Jaden Thomas making that kind of crazy play every game. you know. And if you yeah. do, do want to make those kind of plays every game, then you need to make sure that you're getting those even bigger guys on there doing that. Right? And then – you know, but they say, oh, this stuff worked. You know, it worked force feeding the ball to Michael Marin. We said, eh, it worked for this game, but – you know, you got to be careful. 
And that's kind of what happened. And that's what happens when you're results oriented and not process oriented. You know, the process oriented looks at that game and says, you know, we made some plays and I'm proud of the effort, but man, we, we, uh, we can't keep doing that. We've got to make sure yep. the quarterback's not locking on 87. We've got to make sure the quarterback's not missing this read or that read or the other thing. We've got to make sure we're really working on that and let's do some things to give him opportunities to do that. Cause if BYU can cover you up, you know, there's some teams on your schedule that can, and if Stanford can cover you up, you're in trouble moving forward. <laughs> Right. But again, it's about you're not you're asking you can complain all and and, and, and Braden Lindsay's the biggest whipping boy on the football team right now, which is just mm-hmm. insane to me. Right. Because it's not his fault that they're using him that way. Yep. Right. Use him the way that his skill set. We've always said he's a complimentary player. We've always said that. But you're not using him like a complimentary player. You're trying to use him like you used Javon McKinley two years ago. 5'11", 185, 6'2", 220. They're different <laughs> dudes. Yes. And that's what they're that's how they're trying to use him. And it's stupid. And now fans, you know, always looking for players to blame and rip on and criticize and all that. And then he becomes the whipping boy when in reality, no smart football coach in America would look at Braden's Lindsay and say, let's use him the way Notre Dame is using him. Not a one. Yep. And yes, yep. I intended to say that the way that I said that. No smart football coach is going to do that. And so, you know, he should not be your leading receiver. We've never said that. But if you can't find a way to use that kid in a game, you're you're, you're just not a good football coach. He's not your guy. Stop treating him as if he is that and then ask him to do things he can't. Lorenzo, same thing. Jaden Thomas, same thing. You're hurting those kids by not using them to the, the areas that, that give them advantages. I would love to see them come out on a series. And, and have Michael Mayer at tight end and Jaden Thomas in slot and Tobias and Dion outside. I'd be so happy because that fits who you're trying to be. That fits who you're trying to be. Put those big horses out there and say, you want to load the box, we're just going to throw fades and we're going to do this kind of stuff and we're just going to eat you up, right? If that's who you want to be, then do that. And then use Lorenzo and Braden on mix-ups. But if you're going to have them outside and you're going to try to run the football, then you got to start doing more stuff that opens them up more movement pre and post snap, more stacks, more screens, more stuff like that. And our, we kind of joked uh, with the screen game. Our only note on the screen game is I literally need to have one. And that's <laughs> it. That was our note in the stream. You need to have one. You need to have a screen yep. game. You don't have a screen game. Caught a couple slip screens. Yay. Is Have you, other than Navy, have you seen a team in America? Have you watched any film this year where you didn't at least see one now screen being run? Have you literally mm, watched I, a game yet this year where you haven't seen the other team run at least one now or bubble in a game? Not that I can remember. No. Well, no. that was a trick question. You have seen one. Oh, well. It's Notre Dame. <laughs> but you meant other than Notre Dame. No, no, Dame, I know. I, I, I did mean that. I'm just busting your chops <laughs> know, to kidding. kind of bring it back. I got you. Uh, yep. You know, that, that, that I, it, it's like when you're, you're so smart that you know something that the rest of America doesn't run. Well, hey, I hate to break it to you, but the results are in, and uh, that was a bad strategy. So yeah. fix it. And all the stuff we just talked about, Ryan, all of it, all of it is doable right now. All yeah, it's it. it's it's not a lack of talent. It's not a lot like it's it's not a talent fix. It's not a recruiting fix. We're talking about just just structural things that could change, just implementation, just roster stuff. Like the, these are the players, and this is the talent that's on the roster right now. We're just asking to maximize it differently, right? Like that's that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. We're not asking. 
to hit the transfer portal right now and go get some guys because you can't anyway. Right. So it doesn't matter, right? We're not asking you to go completely change your recruiting philosophy because you need to get different players in here. Like this is yep. something where you can do this in practice today if you felt like doing it. That's where we are at this point. And and what I'm what I'm saying too, Ryan is nothing that we asked to change schematically is not already there in some fashion. And anything that is new is a minor tweak that I could do with division three players. Like when you're in a single receiver to the field side, which Notre Dame does way more than I've ever seen a team do putting your trips into the formation to the boundary and having one guy outside, you're doing that. And I'm thinking, Oh, they're doing that to set up a go route. Nope. Never once. Maybe, (laughs) you know, and it's like reduce your split because you're getting press with no safety help and just throw that thing out there. Mm-hmm. Once that guy wins, here's what here's your t- coaching point. Drew, once he wins, throw it out to the numbers. <laughs> right? I mean, that's Pretty it. Basic. That's your coaching point. Yeah. That's your coaching point. And then your speed guys will get separation that way. Your big guys will just be big. And then you, all of a sudden you're hitting these 30-yard gains. And then sometimes if you can really win off the line, you can outrun a guy and it's a big play. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's not something most teams can do because most teams get more respect than the Notre Dame offense gets respect gets from the offense. Right? right. And so those are the things you look at, Ryan. You say that's that's the only kind of new thing that they would have to put in to, to kind of get this thing going. That's it. That stuff yeah. is really simple stuff. But the inside zone, it's in the offense. Outside zone, it's in the offense. If Buck Sweet's not yeah. in the Buck Sweep's not in the offense, then freaking put it in because I know you have an offensive line coach that knows how to coach it. I know you do. I've seen him do it for 70 yard touchdowns. I know it's there. Right. But it's, I mean, it, it's, it's simple stuff. It's stuff that's there. Use the personnel you have. Because uh, uh, it, it, it's not a change in philosophy. It's a, it's a change in emphasis of what yes. you already have. We know the crossers and the stuff and the meshes and all. We know that stuff's in there. We've seen them run it mm-hmm. either last year or a couple times this year. That needs to be the emphasis, not yep. what you're doing now. And so, you know, what you can't do when you're when you're criticizing a team is to start saying, well, you guys need to go run North Carolina's offense. You can't do that. That's a that is a huge philosophical change in what they do. That requires yep. different scheme, different terminology, different practice, everything. You can't do that. You cannot do that. That's more of a in the offseason, if you move on or he leaves, you go hire that kind of guy to then bring that in. What we're talking about, Ryan, is stuff that you can do right now with your players with your formations, with your scheme that's already there with minor tweaks like alignment. Yeah. Right? That's it. Those are things anybody can tweak. And so mm-hmm. I felt it was important for if we're going to be critical to say, okay, well, then what What would you do? Well, there you have it. Those are yeah. things you can do. And and it's the same thing last year. We, we called for the changes all year last year, and then when they finally made them, the offense starts clicking. And my frustration is I thought we would see that stuff come out this year, and it didn't. So get rid of scan, use tempo a little bit more effectively, use pre-step movement a little bit more effectively on called routes. You're you're motioning to get something. If it's not there, you have built-in checkdowns. That's what every single coach in America does, right? Push the tempo a little bit more, more diversity in your run game. Get RPOs have to be a part of what you do. Use more movement post-snap from your receivers. Build around the strengths of your players and use your best players. When you have speed, use them for speed. 
Stop trying mm-hmm. to fit them into what you want to do offensively. Fit your offense into what they do. That's what every good football coach does. And right now, Tommy Reese is not a good football coach. And I'll just flat out say it. Now, can he be? Yeah, he can. But it's going to require him to swallow his pride, with something I don't think he's capable of. It's going to require him to look in the mirror and say, this is on me, and genuinely say that. Not the coach speak of, oh, I'm in charge and all that, and then you walk in your office like, these guys freaking suck, you know, all that kind of stuff. None, none of that. Look in the mirror and say, this is on me, mm-hmm. and we're going to fix it. These are my dudes. This is what I have. This is how we're going to roll with it. Because I think what's going to happen is you're going to see less players playing, and you're going to see who fits what he he wants to do better and then he's going to he's going to just play those guys. So don't be shocked if we see less Audric and Chris Tyree. Don't be shocked if we don't see any changes at receiver with Dion and and Tobias. Don't be shocked if we see if we don't see those things based on how he is and how he's been. But if he's going to look in the mirror and say, "You know what? This was this is on me. This is my fault. This is on me." and this is what we're going to do, then they can change now and they can roll. And then one of two things can happen. If he comes back next year, then he's regained trust of the team and all these kind of things. So I'm going to tell you right now, we're not the only ones. Um, all I'm going to say is this, we, me and you, and the fans are not the only ones pissed and unhappy with how things are going right now. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay? Yeah. But you can get all, you can fix all that if you're willing to do what a man does, which is look in the mirror and say, I'm the leader. This ain't working. It ain't their fault. It's mine. It's mine, mm-hmm. and then freaking fix it. And if he's willing to do that, then I think this thing can get rolling. I do. If he's not, then it's going to be more the same. Some weeks it'll look good. He'll he'll have that one game where he calls a good game and puts a good game plan together, and then they'll crap the bed the next two weeks, and we'll all blame the players. And then they'll have a new offensive coordinator come in next year, and all of a sudden these same freaking players, at least the ones that don't transfer, all of a sudden they're going to look good. Like, wow, who knew? Right? Same crap. And that's that's what needs to happen. And I don't think he's willing to do that, Ryan. So that's my challenge to him. Be a man, right? Look in the mirror, own this, and then be and owning it means what? What I thought was gonna work isn't working. So we're gonna we're gonna shift course and I'm gonna do I'm gonna be more of a player centric coach instead of a me centric coach. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's capable of doing that. I think he's just gonna kind of keep doing what he's doing with some minor tweaks and, and then just keep blaming the players. That's what I think is gonna happen. But that's why I think it's up to Marcus Freeman to step in and say that no, 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 this is what we're gonna do. Right? If if there's if there's ever a week to have that identity fix, right? Isn't it against UNLV, Brian? Because like again, yeah. Notre Dame can't take any team for granted. We're talking about this, right? You lost to Marshall, you lost to Stanford. This isn't a give me, give me, right? But UNLV may be the least talented team that you have on your schedule. If there was a week that you were going to kind of go outside your box and put some new stuff in and take chances, Mm -hmm. it's this week, isn't it? Like, it's this week, I think, right? It's not like you're playing Clemson this week where it's like, I'm not going to change my, you know, structure. Well, not structurally. I'm not going to change my philosophy on how I'm going to attack things against the best team arguably on my schedule, right? Like outside of Ohio State probably. But this is a week where you could say, okay, if I had that realization that like, hey, there's there's an issue here and I'm probably the issue, then this is a week where you can add some of that stuff, where you can have a different point of emphasis. There's possibility. But, I mean, again, I have to see it at that point, at this point, right? right? Like we're laying stuff out there that we want to see. Is it going to happen? I have no idea. Probably not. But right. if, if it does, 
that's a really positive sign. But if it doesn't, right. then we, we're we're going to be back on the show on Monday to talk about right. it. So regardless, and, and you know what though? <laughs> but this is the kind of team with their talent that they could go out and roll B UNLV and and every oh and everything's good and it's 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 like the New Mexico game in 2019. We said it, it's fool's gold. That that, yeah. that team sucks. You you were running simple plays that should be two yard gains against other teams, and like Javon McKinley catches a five yard crossing route, just breaks literally like thirteen tackles on the way to the end zone. <laughs> you know who else he did that against the rest of the year? No one. It's not sustainable. Because yeah, it's not sustainable, and that's the whole point. They'll go out and roll somebody, but it won't matter because nothing changes philosophically, right? And and that's the that's the frustrating. And so that's why I say it's up to Marcus Freeman. Hey, you know, he said something that really bothered me. Because I'm not an offensive guru, and I'm I'm sorry. You were one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. Yeah. What film are you watching every week? Other teams' offenses. You, you, you can't be a defensive guru if you're not an offensive guru. There's a difference between teaching it and knowing it, and that's where his expertise needs to come into. Here's what you're doing, and here's why this is not even remotely a problem for defenses. And here's how you do it. I don't need him to go to coach the quarterback's drop back technique. I don't need him to go coach the offensive lineman's reach technique on outside zone. I don't need him to teach kids how to run a hitch. But I know as a defensive coordinator, he can say, guys, when all you're doing is running here, that's easy for me to defend. What would make it harder for me to defend? Mixing it up. Give me some outside yep. zone with this. Give me some buck sweep with this. You've got, Hey, guys, you're making it super hard on my secondary that once they have certain – because there's certain run keys that you have that once they see that, they fly down. That's what makes RPO so much more effective than play action at times is because you aren't giving it away with your play action blocking technique, which is going to be different than your RPO technique because your RPO technique is a run play for the offensive line. It's not a run look. It's a run play. They're blocking a yeah. run play. And so when the way teams are playing them, they're going to crash. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, there's 10 dudes in the box, even if there wasn't pre-snap. And so here's what you do to that. RPOs, this is what would hurt me as a defensive coordinator. If I was running this defense, this is what would kill me as a defensive coordinator. That's how you help. And then you say, get it done. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. You thought this was a conversation. I apologize for giving you the wrong impression that this was a conversation with a back and forth. I'm the head coach. You're the offensive coordinator. My butt's on the line if this thing doesn't work. Your offense sucks. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm telling you to do this. Now go get it done. And if he doesn't, then demote him and put someone in there that will. Teams will do that. When you're a team like Notre Dame and your offensive coordinator doesn't listen to you, you do that. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't listened to him. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Mm -hmm. if he chooses not to, that's what you do. So please understand what I'm saying, okay? I'm not calling for them to demote Tommy Reese right now. I'm saying if the head coach goes in there and says, this is what you're going to do, this is why it would be super easy for me to defend you right now, and this is the changes that need to happen. And then if he doesn't do them, and this is who you're going to play, and you know what I mean? Like, this is who you're going to play. And if he doesn't do it, then you find somebody that will. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And and make it be known, this isn't a suggestion. This is not a suggestion. This is what I'm telling you you're going to do. And that's how it needs to be done. He's the head football coach. He doesn't need to be an offensive guru, but he knows what hurts defenses. And that's what yes. troubled me about that comment. Right? And I've said this before. I had, best coach I ever worked for, our offensive playbook was literally designed by our head coach who was a defensive coordinator. You know what the design mm-hmm. of the playbook was? Everything that teams did that he hated to defend was our yes. offense. 
And that's why he took a program that was not any good and turned him into one of the best Division three programs for over a decade before he passed away, almost 20 years before he passed away. You know what I mean? And so that's called, I may not be an offensive guru, but I know what kicks my butt as a defensive coach. And I yep. know what I need to stop, and I know how what's easy to stop and what's hard to stop. And that's what Coach Freeman needs to do. I, I, lo- I love it. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. I, I love the chess match. It just kind of put it out there for a second, Brian. Like, I, I always used to think of, like, when I would coach, like, that, that was my same thought process was, like, I would hate defending that. <laughs> like, that yeah. stinks, man. Like, a three-by-one set with a tight end into the boundary, I would hate defending that. Right. I'm probably going to be a gap short backside, and that stinks. I don't like being a gap short, and that's – it's, I mean, it's not it's not rocket science to your point, right, Brian? Like, it's like you know, as a pre- as I prepare a defense, what hurts me, what makes me uncomfortable? That's what we need to do. Like, that's just easy. Right. That's basic, man. I mean, to your point, I just right. want to add that in because as a person that has coached in the past, like that's how I always used to think about it. Like, man, that sucks. I don't want to defend that. That's that's not fun. That's not fun. So, yeah, right. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We're going to have a mailbag coming up next. Uh, we don't have a lot of questions to right now. And honestly, we kind of got into a roll, so I wasn't able to go back and look through a bunch of the question mark questions. So if you put a question in there early and you really want it to be addressed, either super chat it or just put it in there, right? Just put it in there again, and then we'll get to it. It'll be a lot easier for us to kind of look down and find those if they're put back to the bottom than to go kind of up top and and uh, and do it. And, and you know, it's kind of funny, and, it, and this kind of got to me, but to end it this way, Irish Blooded says, we need to rent a billboard by the stadium just like we did for Weiss, just like we did for Weiss, showing Tommy in the booth in the caption, do your effing job. Honestly, that's exactly what Marcus Freeman I – I don't believe in billboards. I hated it when they did that billboard with Brian Kelly a few years ago. I don't know about a billboard Charlie Weiss. I wasn't here then. I don't like the billboard idea, but I love where Irish Blooded's head is at right here. Mm-hmm. If I'm Marcus Freeman, I would literally walk in there and and say all the things needed to say, and I would look at him and I would say exactly to him what he said to Drew Pine. If you can scream it at the quarterback, then I'm going to scream it to you. Do your effing job. Your job is to score points, not to bitch about the players not being good enough or all these other things. Do your effing job. You lost. A, you you scored 14 points against freaking Stanford. Freaking Stanford. You scored 21 points against freaking Marshall. Do your effing job. If you can you yell get, it to a quarterback, you, that I can yell it to you. Do your effing you, and, job. And you uh, you also gifted Marshall a touchdown as well off of the pick six. So, yes, to go. your points. To your point. There you go. So that's going to do it for this part of the show. We're going to move on to the mailbag next. We, as we said, put those questions down below. But before we go, please, everybody, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Obviously, subscribe to our CFB Nation channel. We are going to, so just so those of you listen, we are going to start taking some episodes that we have on CFB Nation and putting them on our feed at Irish Breakdown just to give you guys a sense of what that show is all about. We would love it if you would kind of start subscribing and look at that channel, start listening to that content. It's great football content. We're open to add some new shows here lately. We haven't had John Garcia on a lot because he had a baby, and and um, he's been kind of dealing with a newborn. 
So I told John, do what you got to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your lady needs you, your baby needs you, do what you got to do, but he's going to start ramping up here again soon. And, uh, and, and we'll get back to it. So, um, but uh, so definitely do all that. And thank you for being with us on this part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>